0: Ron and Anian. I like to look at cars as they progress. I'm not sure if it's a positive progression. They just change. change
1: change Turn the strange It's gonna have to be a different matter
0: The Car Doctor. We are seeing that change, and the problem is that change is happening so fast, we are having a hard time getting the tools we need to stay consistent. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855 560 And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Use that number whenever you need it. If we're not on the air, this show is live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and we go out to our many affiliates and also on delayed broadcast over the rest of the weekend, 855-560-9900. will lead you to a 24-7 phone number if we're not here, and you can leave a message, and Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and uh, talk to you about getting up on the show. We can talk to you about your problem for your benefit and everyone else's that tunes into The Car Doctor all across this great nation of ours and out there on the Internet. There is more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. You'll find links for TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes. We make it very easy for you. We're also, we've just signed up for the new Google Podcast over at Google. And if you need me during the week, it's Ron at cardoctorshow.com. Sometimes the repairs are not what they seem. Sometimes I feel like Gibbs from NCIS, I have to tell you, because the show goes, if you ever seen NCIS, the show starts off and you're going in this direction. And then at the last minute, it always seems to circle back. The last eight minutes or so I've noticed that it circles back and you kind of go in a completely different direction and the, the answer has just come out of left field. Sometimes that feels like where I'm at, like I'm out in left field. People always told me I was outstanding in the field, I just didn't realize it was left field. 2007, Chevy Tahoe came into the shop, and it was a vehicle from another shop. The problem they had was it wouldn't come out of four-wheel drive low, and it was just stuck in four-wheel drive low. That's the way the vehicle got dropped off from, from their customer to their shop. They looked at it. They decided that it needed a transfer case shift module, which is the piece under the dashboard, and after installing it, they found out that they couldn't talk to it because it needed to be flashed. Meaning it needed software installed, and that's where I came in. Now, anytime I get involved in a vehicle from another shop, you know there's a there, there's a balance here. There's a there, there's a bit of dollars and cents. I'm only there to flash it. I'm not there to diagnose it. But I also really want to look for answers because that's really what I like doing. I just want to know what made it tick. How did it get to this point? What broke, and how can we fix it? So I always go a little bit above and beyond. And in the case of this, in the case of this Tahoe, instead of just flashing it. I went in with a scan tool, and I looked, and I verified, yep, I can't talk to the old module. The old module was clearly bad, and I went through powers and grounds, and they were there. It should have been alive. It should have been on the data bus. Plugged in the new module and flashed it. As soon as I flashed the old module, or I'm sorry, as soon as I flashed the new module, not a problem. I could talk to it. Scan tool saw it there, recognized it, went through the rest of the learn process, and it was still stuck in four-wheel drive low. So I kind of went back to the beginning. I had a Gibbs moment. I called in DeNova. I called in Katie. I called in McGee, and I sat everybody down, and I said, okay, let's go over this from the beginning. Let's just break it down into bite-sized pieces. And what I figured out was, yeah, I proved the transfer case module was bad. I just didn't know about the rest of the system. So I started looking at the rest of it, and I came to the conclusion the switch worked, It had proper power. Everything else on that circuit should work. It's one of two things. Either the transfer case itself was stuck, mechanically stuck, and if it was, the encoder module, or I'm sorry, the encoder motor was bad, meaning, again, because this is America and we just want to drive cars by shifting and pushing buttons. You heard my rant last week about doing four-wheel drive hubs. Well, you know, now it's we just have to be able to push a button and put the car into four-wheel drive. And it's done electronically. So it was a case of either the transfer case was stuck in four-wheel drive and the encoder motor was bad and it wouldn't report it, or we had a bad encoder motor, the shift motor on the transfer case. Gave it back to the shop, told them what we had done, told them what I thought they should do, and they got back to me. And sure enough, a couple of days later, I found out that encoder motor was bad. And it made me realize that yeah, you know what? There's no rule that says, and I haven't said this in a while, there's no rule that says just one thing goes bad on a car and causes the car not to work properly because a lot of times it's, it's more than one thing. And here's a classic example of it. The encoder motor shorted, failed, took out the transfer case module, and it should have been a case change one first, then the other, but because the first one didn't come up on the data bus, that's where they went first. It's funny how some repairs turn out, but then again, it's a lot like NCIS. It's funny how the show ends sometimes. You're never quite sure how they get to the ending. So the point of this is everything is not what it appears. And when you're stuck on a diagnosis, always go back through your notes. Make sure you take notes and make sure you write everything down because that's the only way you're going to learn, and that's the only way you're going to fix cars. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. Another busy hour of the Car Doctor is coming up. We've got Mike Zip, Zipo Electronics here in New Jersey. He's going to be stopping by. We haven't talked to Mike in a while. I'm looking forward to it. He's going to be explaining what's new. He's just back from the SEMA show, oh, about a month ago, three, four weeks ago. And we're going to talk to Mike about what's new out there for car electronics, audio, GPS, video, remote start, um, make the car sprout wings and fly. I'm sure that's probably in the conversation, if not today, maybe in a couple of years, because it seems like we can do anything in the car but drive it down the road with two hands on the wheel. So uh, we're going to be talking to Mike about that in a very little bit. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open as fast as we can and get over to Helen in Denver, Colorado, 2007 Volvo S60 with some problems. Yes, Helen, you're on with the car, doctor. How can I help?
2: Hi, thank you for answering my call. You're welcome. Um, my car feels as if though I'm driving a stick shift.
0: Um, and it's not
2: all the time. Right. It's when it's warm. I'll be driving, and all of a sudden it feels as if though it's dragging, and then it'll, like, shoot off again.
0: So are you saying if you were driving down the road at 30, 35 miles an hour and the sun was shining and all was good, all of a sudden the car just accelerates on its own, or it feels like you have to push down harder on the gas pedal to get it to go anywhere?
2: No, accelerating on its own. And it doesn't have to be warm outside. Okay. The vehicle
0: is okay. warm. Any dash lights on?
2: No, no uh, service-required lights come on.
0: Okay. When you start the car, uh, one of the things I want you to just double-check before we have this conversation is, when you start the car, turn the key to the on position but don't start it and look for the mm-hmm. check. look for the check engine light or the service engine soon light. Make sure mm-hmm. make sure that light lights up, and then goes out. It does. Okay,
2: I've checked. Yeah, I've okay. I've checked that.
0: You know, and that's always important because I've had people tell me, "Well, the car has no dash lights on," and then we come to find the bulb burned out, and um, the car oh, no, has no, no, the no. car. It's, so it's, it's on. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to tell you is part of any diagnosis. What someone needs to do is still is still scan the car for fault codes. All right, because okay. just because the light's not on yet, there may be some information about to turn the light on, and we call those pending codes. Something's about to happen, uh-huh. so it might help in the diagnosis. The second thing someone needs to do, is this repeatable? Can a mechanic reproduce this if you were to drive it, or is it very random?
2: It, it seems like it's, it's repeatable, but mostly random. When I took it to Voltec, it didn't do it for him.
0: Right. But and as
2: soon as I got in it and drove away, it did it.
0: Okay. Did he say anything about what he did? Did he scan it? Did he look at fuel trims? Did he smoke the intake? How did he approach it? Did he say anything?
2: He checked the transmission fluid, and it was not red. It was pretty dark, but not real dark. It okay. was gooky. Right. He said, I need to get a transmission
0: flush. Okay. See, my problem is from your description... Helen, I'm thinking you're describing an engine fault, not a transmission fault.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and what's common on Volvo is they have a bunch of problems as they age with the air intake system. The clamps get loose. They pick up. Uh-huh. They pick up intermittent vacuum leaks, and that will mm-hmm. skew mass airflow sensor readings all over the place and do just what you're describing. So mm-hmm. I would ask him to maybe look at the air induction system as a possible solution and also tell him to take a look at there's, there's a denominator inside cars, short-term and long-term fuel trim. Short-term fuel, short-term, trim and long-term. short-term fuel trim is what's happening right now. You and I are having this conversation. This is short-term. What you and I said mm-hmm. two minutes ago, that's history. That's long-term.
2: That's history.
0: Okay. All right. But long term fuel trim, if long term fuel trim is skewed, if it's out of range, but not enough Mm -hmm. to set on a fault code yet, but still out of range, it gives Mm -hmm. us an indication of where to possibly look that is this a fuel trim or a mixture issue? All right. Okay. Because, you know, unintended acceleration on one of these, it's picking up enrichment somewhere, or this is a drive by wire car, there's no mechanical connection. To the throttle, something's causing that throttle to pick up on its own.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we've got to wow. start. To, we've got okay. to start to be a little bit of a you know, we've got to be a little bit of a criminal investigator here. Got to be a detective. Okay, got to start looking for things that we don't normally see in plain sight.
2: All right. And, is it bad to get a transmission flush?
0: Mm, no, the danger here is depending upon how many miles are on it, you may aggravate the trans and create another issue. And that's always possible. Mm -hmm. But my argument for doing it is, because I'm a fan of doing it even when it's dirty, is if the Mm -hmm. trans is going to be a problem, wouldn't you rather know about it now when you expect it rather than not do it and it fails in five months when you've forgotten about it and you're somewhere out of state, right? you know, 500 miles from home? Eh, You know, if we're going to have the problem, let's have the problem now and deal with it head on.
2: Right, right. Okay. Okay, so should I trade it in? Well,
0: that's... Here's what you got to do. How many miles are on the car?
2: Hundred thousand.
0: Okay, so if you had to put a trans in the car and it was three grand, thirty five hundred dollars, would you do it? Right. Would you?
2: Um. No. Okay. No.
0: Trade it in. Problem solved. It's it's, it's that easy. <laughs>
2: Thank you so much. It's it's All it's, right. it's that Thank easy,
0: hon. If you were in New Jersey, I'll take you no. car shopping. It never takes me longer than twenty minutes. So we're in and oh, out. Oh wow! All right.
2: I wish I was in Jersey. Uh-oh. Thank you very much.
0: You're very welcome, Helen. You have a good rest mm-hmm. of the afternoon. I'm running Annie in the car, doctor. We are back right after this. we on in any of The Car Doctor here, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Give us a call if we're not on the air. Leave a message fast, Harry. We'll call you back and get you in queue so we can talk to you the following week. Let's get over and talk to Harold up there in Massachusetts with some concerns he's experiencing with his uh, new Chrysler and uh, putting gas in the tank. That's probably pretty important, Harold. Welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. What's going on up there?
3: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, I have a 2015 Dodge Durango. And I've I've been leasing it for a few months, and we went to a uh, local gas station that I hadn't been to before with that car, and we could not fill it up. And uh, after a number of calls, I went to to the dealership right away and uh, found out that they they decided to replace the filler section of the uh, gas tank. And I went back there to fill it up, and it wouldn't work. I couldn't get gas in at all. It wouldn't. It wouldn't uh, open up the uh, mm. automatic shut off. It's got one of those capless fillers.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's a lot of cars are going to the capless uh, fill systems. Ford's had it for years, and others are starting to follow. Chrysler among them. So, what was their final solution? Are they saying, "Oh well"? Well, they
3: they didn't ha- they didn't have a solution. I ended up calling Chrysler, filed the complaint, met an, uh, had an appointment with uh, a regional manager, and um, my daughter said, "Maybe the, the uh, nozzle is a different size." And I went to a different gas station, and I was able to get the uh, the nozzle into the car. I ended up meeting the uh, managers at the dealership, and uh, it, they said they had never heard of this problem before. But I, went, I Googled uh, the problem and found out that Ford has had some problems and Mercedes has had some problems. And um, I decided to do some of my own investigation, and uh, you know, it turns out that. I guess in Massachusetts, where the federal government is now trying to go back to stage one nozzles, and I guess originally the original gas nozzles were stage one, where they were just basic uh, nozzles that you put in the gas tank. And with the the, I guess years a few years ago, they came up with stage two with the vapor recovery system. Right. And with the new flapless uh, or capless gas tanks, they're going back to the stage one. Uh, I found out in Massachusetts that not all gas stations are required to go back to the Stage 1 nozzles until November of 2017. And one of the guys I had spoken to, I I called everybody, the Department of Fire Safety Services, Division of Standards, and I got this guy, Jeff Gifford, at the EPA in in Massachusetts, and we found out that some Stage 2 nozzles, uh, the one made by Gobarco, will not fit the Dodge and Chrysler um, Capless.
0: Now this can't only be. This is only a Massachusetts thing, do you know, Harold? Or is no? He
3: said he said Connecticut is all compliant. That everybody in Connecticut has to be stage one. But he says in New England, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, he doesn't know about New York. He says those they're not all compliant and all not all going back to stage one yet.
0: So what happens if you come to New Jersey? You can't put gas in the car.
3: You may not if you're if you get a Gilbarco stage two gas tank uh, gas uh, nozzle. It won't fail.
0: I can, I can see how they're going to make their mileage claims. It'll be on the back of a tow truck. Car gets 100 miles to the gallon. Yeah, being towed. Right. <laughs> uh. well, the, the, the dealership told me to go, back, go home and come back in a couple
3: days. I said, I don't have enough gas to do that. Wow. <laughs> so they gave me a loaner car. Wow. And I went- and I told Chrysler, my, my wife, my daughter goes to college far away. We use the car to go back and forth. My wife usually drives the car regularly. She says, if we're out of state, what happens? Right. And we can't be driving back 11 o'clock at night or midnight, and we want, don't want to be stuck at a rest area where we can't get gas.
0: Well, you need, a, you need the Chrysler optional accessory for your gas tank. It's the long funnel. And the five-gallon pail, they're going to be issuing those to people and strapping them to the roof, you know. And it's just, and I don't really have a solution for you, Harold. I was reading your email, and that's, I said to Harry, I want to talk to this gentleman. Um, You know, I'd be curious if anybody else out there is having this problem. If anybody else has a Chrysler product or any product that they can't get, this is the physical nozzle won't fit the neck, right?
3: Yes, and I found out doing some research, and actually, I I had to take out my six hundred-page owner's manual. There is a spare tunnel tied into the uh spare tire accessories.
0: I don't like where this is going. Go ahead. And that's
3: only for Jerry jugs. It won't it won't work well with I tried it with a uh gas, with a uh gas station
0: nozzle. Pump. right. Right. It's too fast. Remember, remember when cars were simple, you pull in, ding ding, the guy came over, he washed your windows, checked your oil, the, the nozzle went in, he took the cap off, the nozzle came out, the cap went on. Uh, you know. Yeah. I, I I don't get it. It seems like we're slowly shooting ourselves in the foot. Harold, I'll tell you what, I just I, I'm if anybody calls in, if we get any emails, if we get any information about this, if anybody out there has a Chrysler product or any product, their particular state, they can't get the gas nozzle to physically go in the neck. I want it to contact me. But, Harold, can I ask you to call us back when the problem yeah. gets solved? And, I will do that. You know, I want to make an have- announcement on air, and we'll talk about it then, too.
3: Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time, and
0: good luck with all the listeners as well. You're, you're very welcome, Harold. Thank you. Um, I, I, I feel for you, buddy. You know, How'd you like that? You buy a new car? I can't get gas in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But look at my credit card bill. It's down. You know, it's... Oh, my gosh. You know, you, you just can't help but think. Technology just keeps boxing us into a corner, tighter and tighter. We're going to make the air so clean. Yeah, you know how we're going to do that? We're going to keep the car off the road because it won't burn gasoline because we can't get any to go in the tank. Holy cow. Well, just in case we're able to get the car to keep running, Mike Zip Zippo's Electronics is going to be coming up next to talk to us about audio and all those good things we put in cars. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Nanny and the Car Doctor here. Uh, you know, our next guest really needs no introduction. We've spoken to this gentleman over time, over the years. If you're a long-term Car Doctor listener, uh, you know who I'm about to introduce you to. He's Mike Zip from Zippo's uh, Car Audio down there in uh, New Jersey, in Belleville, in North Plainfield. Um, and it's just a pleasure to have him back here with us as uh, as we uh, have been amiss and not uh, reached out to Mike for some time. Michael, are you there, sir? Hey,
1: Ron, how are you? Happy R- holiday. Same, Same
0: to you, babe. You know, you're the guy I always think of. Uh, you, you know, when people ask me about putting remote starts in vehicles, and uh, you, you know how I frown upon it because there aren't many people I think do the job right except for you. I think you're the only guy in the country. Um, uh, you know, I've seen your work. Everything's soldered nice, connected nice. You know, it's 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 done right. And uh, that's what led us to you so many years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, I just want to express that to you. that um, I also think of you with that Volvo. Do you still have the Volvo? Uh, which... I
1: finally sold my Volvo R-Wagon. I miss it. Yeah. Well, I'm a Nissan man now, but it's not as exciting as on the Volvo. There well,
0: but I remember the Volvo, you liked it because you could change stereos every other week. You probably just ran out of places to put new speakers, so you decided to get a new vehicle and start all over again. Uh, you...
1: We do make a lot of holes in the car, yeah. Yeah, I know
0: that. Um, you know, the car kind of looked like Swiss cheese after a while, so it was time to move on to something else. <laughs> but they else. sound nice. Well, that's, you know, yeah, I know that. I, you know, I'm sure riding with you, I would need earmuffs. Um, yeah. because uh, there's only so much I can listen to. So, listen, it's been a while. Where do we start? You were out at you were out at Apex SEMA, I'm sure, or you were out at the electronics yeah. show beforehand. Um, what's What what caught your attention this year at the trade shows?
1: Well, it seems they're doing a lot of this, uh, you know, the wrapping of the cars in front of them where they're putting those clear bras on the front, but a lot of that going on and, uh, you know, protect the paint, things like a lot of tinting going on, stuff like that.
0: Right. Right? Is that you know. is, is that something you're going to start to get into? Do you think, or that's? Just, oh, we are
1: into it now. We are. We've been doing quite a bit of that. We uh, we've uh, grown. We also do a lot of leather now. We, we uh so if you buy a car with a, a base ultimate say that it doesn't have leather in it, we can put leather in it. If you have a car that doesn't have a sunroof in it, we can put a sunroof in it. We cut holes in the roof and put a whole new uh, headliner in it. It's pretty interesting. They, you know put a motor up there.
0: Now, how do involved. you you know, Mike? It's it's not like the old days. You want to put a stereo in a car 30 years ago. There was, you know, power ground, four speaker wires. You were done. Now you're just dealing with so much more. And I've got to think your installers are, at the very least, going to school. They've got to be taking classes on where to connect and what to connect to, at least from the manufacturers, if not the, 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 the audio people, right, the the manufacturers of the stereo systems.
1: Yeah, well, the cars are – they centers there's just big computers today, so – we put something in it. The car knows it. It uh, reacts differently. So, you know, we've got to be careful what we connect on to, how we get power. A lot of cars don't even run on 12 volts. They run on less voltage and things like that.
0: Interesting. What's the craziest thing you see going into cars this year, electronic-wise? Hmm. I got him. Look at that, huh? I finally yeah. stopped him in his tracks. Well, it's
1: never crazy because we've get, we've we've done that. We just had a guy with a Sprinter, a base Sprinter took it all, all apart, put stadium seating in it 42 inch TV, has a, a satellite that goes on the roof, and you know he can it's called slingbox, so he can take his, his iPad, plug it into the car and watch the TV at his house.
0: Say, say that again, True. wait a minute, say that again he can he can do what
1: He can, he can Wi-Fi into his car
0: right.
1: in a hotspot, and then it's called Slingbox. where you can watch your your TV at your house from your cell phone or from your iPad. So so the the uh, sprinter is a is a hotspot and he just plugs into his house and he's watching his TV cable box
0: wherever he is.
1: Yep, excellent. I mean unbelievable cool. And you know what else they're doing it? Now you can do that in a new suburban now, you know, the new GM has a is already a hotspot. And so they, you can just sit in there with an with an iPad or your your car or a phone, think up and and watch cable, you yeah, know, pretty interesting.
0: That's crazy. Um, that's, that's really kind of neat. So it's, it's, you're taking, you're taking your home TV with you wherever you go.
1: And, you know, and you know what else I'm just thinking about that I think I wrote down that, you know, now it's all about Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, where you can take your phone. So so cars have navigations now. Now you're not going to need a navigation anymore because now your phone navigation will come up on the screen in your car.
0: Your phone navigation will come up on the screen in your car. How do they
1: do that?
0: How do they do that, Mike?
1: they're, they're, they're uh, well what they're doing is just releasing the data so it can you can see it now before you couldn't see it or, or the phones uh, your radio wouldn't accept that kind of uh, video input uh, you know from your from your uh, device that you're using and that's what's happening
0: Wow Wow do you ever just install stereos anymore or is that just passe
1: uh, we, you know what I'm an old car guy just like you are so I still get those customers who have you know I have a customer with a 68 Cadillac convertible that we do all crazy stuff i mean all kind of you know
0: yeah yeah
1: there's still that person out there and believe me i mean i, I still believe in what i do you know the uh there's the audio enhancements you can do to some cars to make oh
0: you're you're the most passionate guy i know about audios and electronics and cars i mean you're the guy um are you still doing the cars for the uh, guys overseas
1: uh we uh every once in a while yeah you see uh, we, we get a lot of uh african importers who come in and they'll will take a Range Rover and put all kind of crazy stuff on them and then ship them back over there, you know. We see a lot of that. Yep.
0: So for the listener out there that's, you know, it's the holidays, they want to go out and buy a nice, they've got $250 to spend on a stereo. What are they buying?
1: Well, they're buying something that's, you know, it's AM, FM, it's CD, it's uh, Bluetooth so you can talk and drive. You can Bluetooth your music from your phone into the radio so you can kind of, like, again, it, it always goes back to your phone. It seems like the whole technology going back to what device you have on your body.
0: They still make radios with CDs in
1: them? Uh, they make some that do, and then they have things called mechless radio. And the problem we're having is so you get an older customer buying a new Cadillac. Cadillac comes with radios with no CD players in them. So now the customer buys the car and he goes, well, where's your CD player? And there's no option. So,
0: what and, they- you
1: know, an older customer's not going to... Right, want to go on iTunes and start downloading music? They don't, you know, they barely can turn on the phone.
0: Yeah. So, so what? Know, so what do they do?
1: Kind of, uh, they're, they're a little bit out of luck. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, technology. And then
1: all the frantic car dealer going, "Mike, we got to put a CD in this car. This guy's, you know, he's losing his mind. He's goes to the to Frank Sinatra today." <laughs> and, so. Okay. See, and that's where it's going.
0: Tech, technology comes around in in more problems and shapes and forms than just the car doesn't run right and turns on a check engine light. Yeah, right. It yeah. it, it, it yeah. comes it comes up. And these
1: cars it, are very temperamental. Like if you take a German, like a Volkswagen or an Audi, you really can't even touch them because as soon as you touch the car, the car knows that you're in it. When the uh, you go in for service, you can't. They won't even work on the car because they'll see something foreign in it.
0: That's so, a fact. so how do you get around it?
1: You, you don't touch your car.
0: Really? So you've Just had a turn... We have
1: to be honest with the customer. I say, listen, if I touch your car, you're going to have a problem with your manufacturer. Even if there's nothing wrong with the car, they're going to see something in it, and they're not going to want that.
0: So do you think the day is coming when the manufacturers are going to, for lack of a better term, tune out the audio installers like you guys and, and prevent you from working on the cars?
1: Like uh... the yeah, I, I, I think it's going that way. I, I think there's always going to be a passionate customer who wants it their way, not their way. You know, right. not, you know.
0: Well, and I so. think in time the customer is going to say to the manufacturer, listen, give me what I want or I'm finding a different car. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know,
1: it's going to be interesting. I'm thinking we're going to be listening to your radio show one day, and I'm going to see what these people say who have these digital dashboards that don't work anymore. How are they going to fix those cars?
0: Right. That's
1: not going to be a simple thing.
0: Well, it's you know what, and the problem I see, Mike, is you look at all the electronics going into the car, whether it's audio or 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 you know something navigation or just digital part of the car itself. The technology it takes to keep all that information relevant and around, you know, a car after a car is seven years old, throw everything out; it's all junk. They don't want to keep track of it. It's too hard to keep track of the new stuff. We had a gentleman on a little bit later, earlier in the hour. He said he had to read his owner's manual. It was six hundred pages. You know, Mike, maybe that's I believe that. you know, Mike, maybe that's something you and I can get into. We could take the owner's manuals, convert them into audio, and people could listen to them while they sleep or drive so they just absorb it by osmosis. Subliminal Subliminal
1: How to Work Your Car. Okay. Right.
0: Subliminal How to Work Your Car. We can talk about it. Mike, if the listeners are looking for you or for more information about you and your wonderful store, where are they going to find it?
1: Uh, Zippo's dot com website. You just go on there, and has our phone numbers and how to contact us, and we can help
0: you. Absolutely, the best, Mike. I appreciate talking to you. We're going to get together again real soon.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. You take have very a good, good have care.
0: You thank you. I'm Ron Ananey and Annie in the car, doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back, on and, and The Car Doctor, and uh, I want to thank once again Mike Zip for taking the time to stop by and talk to us. Cars have become so electronic that the relationship you have with your mechanic is going to be critical, that you're more than just a number. You've got to be a name. and They've got to know the car. They've got to know the pluses or minuses of what they can and can't do. Yeah, Tom, you wanted to say something?
4: No, I was going to say, just to uh, verify what Mike was saying, my old car that I gave to my daughter... I put back to factory, but you remember when I brought it into RA Auto and you'd work on the thing? you Used to see all kinds of errors on it. That's because I had the dashboard pulled apart. Well, not pulled apart. I That's put right. To, put back together. Right. And I had custom radios in it and everything else. You know, for what I do for a living. And with the new vehicle I bought, you know, a brand new 2015 Ford Escape. I can't get an aftermarket radio for it, and I could not justify the $5,000 upgrade to the titanium package just so I could have that HD radio for the clients. I, I carry my radio around with me now.
0: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the, the car, every component is so integral upon every other component that, yeah, you're right. Um, and I'll tell you who started that way back when. My earliest memory of components being integral and being dependent upon others, the cars where we saw the biggest problem, I hate to say it, was Volkswagen. I Not that I want to pick on Volkswagen any more than they've already been picked on because they've become a dartboard and they've made it very easy. But, uh, you know, going back 15 years, if you had a Volkswagen with an aftermarket radio, it would cause all sorts of drivability and running issues and difficulty in scanning the car.
4: Oh, I bet because they probably put uh, some of the processing power into that radio and everything was routed through the radio. I, I, I mean, I, I was amazed looking at the factory scan tool at your, uh, at, at your place at the amount of data you get out of this car, I mean, it was telling me it couldn't see the uh, the radio display, yeah, which was true because with the aftermarket radio, that connection wasn't there anymore, and it was like, really, the yeah, it's, radio it's, the best
0: example I can give to people is that imagine an office building with five hundred offices in it, and every fourth, fifth, tenth, twelfth, every random office, they take the telephone out of the wall, and now you can't communicate. This way or that way, those you can only go so far, and then after that, you're lost. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out in the future. Let's get over to the phones. Let's go over and talk to Jerry up there in Yorktown Heights, 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Jerry, welcome back to the car, Dr. Sir. It's been a while. How are you?
1: Good, good. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. You're very
0: welcome. What's going on here?
1: So, I got uh, – so, Jeep's been running great ever since, you know, I brought to Got into it about last week, and um, it's binding up when I turn to the right.
0: Okay. Only to the right, Jerry?
1: Only to the right. And, you know, if I'm driving, it's a little bit better. When I'm, in, when I'm parked, that's when I can't really turn it that well.
0: Okay. Probably the issue here is the steering gear itself. And, and here's the rub. There was a very early recall... Very early, going back to 2003. And there wasn't a lot of these vehicles. It was like 300 of them or something that had problems with the steering gear. I don't think this vehicle is applicable. I don't think that's applicable to this vehicle any longer. But before you go anywhere else, I would just run it past the dealer, ask him to run the VIN. Um, I can. As a matter of fact, it was, uh, it was like a Ford transmission. No, it wasn't. It was C12, recall number C12. And I can go back and find it if I have to. But there was a recall that came out. 12 years ago, that talked about it. It was recall C-12, Charlie 12, and it was for a steering issue with that vehicle. So you may find out that that's under recall notice and somehow it escaped you. Probably okay. not, but before before you go spending money, let's, let's just make sure you're not entitled to something that you can't get. All right?
3: Okay. Um, what I did, too, is I jacked it up
1: and uh, offload. It turns fine.
0: Okay. And if you jack it up and start it, and obviously be careful of this because you don't want it to fall off the jack if you know, things are running. If you jack it up and start it, does the wheel jerk left or right?
3: No, it
1: holds pretty – I was okay. looking for that, and okay. everything seemed to be fine with it.
0: What's, what's very common is the box itself and what someone needs to do is do a pressure test on the pump. Well, we can have the conversation like this. They need to do a pressure test on the pump. The pump should put out about 13, 1,400 PSI, and as long as it matches that, put a gear in it and make sure there's no binding in any of the linkage. However, on an 11-year-old vehicle with 150,000 miles on it, if the box has failed, at that point, you're going to think about doing a pump anyway because there's going to be grit and contaminant in it. You're going to put a fresh box in it with an old pump um, you're going to contaminate it, and now you've got a problem there as well. So first things first, get out to the dealer, let them run the VIN. Give us a call again, Jerry. If you need more information, we can kind of take it from there. And uh, if we don't talk to you, my best to you and yours. Uh, you know, happy holidays and all that sort of good stuff. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, are winding things down this hour. Let's go out with a bang and knock off an email. Hey, Ron, this is from Clifford in Kentucky. I've got a 2004 Chevy Suburban with a 5.3 liter engine. It's got 222,000 miles on it. There's a little bit of a ticking at startup, particularly on the right side, the passenger side of the engine, it gets a little quieter as it warms up, but I can still hear it during the course of the day. It gets louder sometimes during acceleration. I've had several mechanics look at it, and they've offered me varying opinions. Most include engine tear down and repair. What do you think? I love it. It's an old truck, but I'm leery of spending big bucks on it because of its age. Do you have any cheap, simple solutions? Cliff, down Kentucky way. Clifford, yeah, listen, uh, and, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. As long as we don't think this is major engine mechanical noise, uh, you know, bearings, timing chain, things like that, simplest thing you can do on an older, high-mileage engine, get yourself some Rislone engine treatment, all right? We've been talking about this quite a bit of late. Rislone engine treatment will help clean out noisy lifters and valves and remove and prevent sludge. It does all those good things. It's a specific chemical for the job. It doesn't hurt internal, internal engine seals doesn't do any damage to anything, but Rislone Engine Treatment, uh, you know, we were talking about this last week. They are the inventors of the term tune-up. You know, that's kind of where it came from so many years ago, and uh, they're still out there in the marketplace today. And I guess the rule is if something works, if it, if it works, don't change it. Just uh, keep on using it. So uh, Rizlone Engine Treatment, and down your way, you can find it at any one of a number of O'Reilly Auto Parts. You can read more and probably order it online right from OReillyAuto.com um, and uh, do it that way. And... Uh, You know, you should be good to go. Just follow the directions on the can. If that doesn't work for you, then uh, we'll kind of take it from there and have another conversation. But O'ReillyAuto.com is where you want to be. Hey, great hour. I had a great time talking to each and every one of you today. I'm appreciative of the fact that you took the time to spend it here with me. And we'll see you again here next week or out on podcast, however you take this radio show. Till then, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See
1: ya.